Welcome to the next podcast from Millinery Info. I'm your host, Lauren Ritchie. I'm so excited to welcome you to the 2024 season of the Millinery Info podcast. It's great to be in your ears every month, speaking with leaders from our industry, whether that be milliners, suppliers, or hat makers. Ah, or I should say event organizers. Today, we welcome Christina de Prada. Christina is based in Barcelona in Spain and is one of the founders of the Barcelona Hat Stroll. She joins us today to tell us about her millinery career, the founding of Barcelona Hat Stroll and Barcelona Hat Days. She's also going to give you a bit of a teaser and encourage you to book a trip to Barcelona this April. We can't wait to hear more about this event, so please follow along with Christina's event. We'd love to see you at the Barcelona Hat Stroll. Thank you to our wonderful podcast sponsors for their support of this series. It's wonderful to have them on board for 2024. Thank you to Hatblocks Australia, Louise McDonald Milliner, House of Adorn, The Hat Magazine, Others Millinery Supplies, Lifted Millinery, A Unique Millinery, Judith M Millinery Supply House, Hats by Lico, Hat Academy, and Millinery Australia. You can find a link to each of these businesses in our show notes. That's either in your podcast app or through our website. I hope you've been enjoying this series. And like I said, it's wonderful to welcome you to this new season for 2024. If you've been listening for a while or you might be new, you will have heard me speak about being a Patreon supporter. This is a way of signing up to show your support. It means that we can keep bringing you this amazing content and conversations with our industry leaders. You can sign up by heading over to www.patreon.com forward slash millinery info you'll find a link to this in the show notes as well as on our website we'd love to see some more patreons sign up to share the support in 2024 and we hope you'll be one of them i hope you enjoy this episode with christina i'm so excited to welcome you to the podcast christina it's wonderful to have you finally as part of this podcast series thank you for joining me it's my pleasure, Lauren. Let's go back to the beginning for you. When did you first become involved in millinery? It was quite a while ago. So it must have been mid-1990s. And I I was, I've always loved hats, like all of us, every millionaire that you talk about, they loved hats when they were little and that kind of thing. So that was the same for me. My parents uh, loved hats too. So... Yeah, I loved hats, but I never stopped to think how how are hats made or who, you know, never, never thought about the thing until one year I was in Amsterdam and there was this cute little hat shop and I went in and I saw hat blocks and it just dawned on me that, whoa, that's, that's how hats are made. And uh, I, actually, probably I, I could make a hat, you know, if that's how it goes because it you know it never it never occurred to me and from then on I started buying hats and I started learning and that was my my story pretty much how amazing to happen across a millinery studio it's incredible and what was the first millinery class you took after that I found a lady in Barcelona she was a Belgian lady who in the Gothic quarter of the city had a little atelier and she gave classes. So I took uh, classes from her for a while. 
then I also happened to see Mariana Yonkin, who is a Dutch millionaire on Dutch TV, because my husband is Dutch. And there was this program about an event happening of hats, so amazing. And she was there, wonderful as she is. And I found her information. They were talking early days of the internet. And I wrote to her on paper and I mailed the letter. And uh, finally, she was not giving classes at the moment, but I went there and did some practice with her. And then I uh, met my friend and colleague, Nina Pawlowski, who is, uh, despite the name, she's a Spanish millionaire. Uh, from Barcelona also and we uh, you know it it was a great meeting because we are kindred spirits and uh, we fed off each other uh, so I said oh I want to learn and she said yeah well I think we are more or less at the same level and we can learn from each other and that, well, that was it and from then on like many people, I love millinery books. I love looking at them and finding techniques and figuring things out. But, you know, I am jealous of those people um, that have gone to millinery school, like in the UK, to St. Martin's or or in Australia. You also uh, had, I don't know if you still have, but you had... Um, places where you could officially go and learn and we didn't have that and we still don't have that as an official program and I'm I'm terribly jealous of that but I think I made my way and in a way it was good because when you're on your own you have to figure things out on your own and that is good it's also good when somebody tells you how to do something, but it's good <laughs> when you have to use your brain and probably get to the same conclusion or do things a little different, you know, because there's no good way of doing something. I think there are bad ways of doing things, but if you get to more or less the same result, it's okay. And um, people do things their way and I'm good with that. Were you doing something creative beforehand? Were you crafting or making other things before you found millinery? Oh, I was cooking. I went to cookery school in Paris. Uh, yeah. I find that many millionaires like cooking. Not all of them. Like some don't, but many do baking and that kind of stuff. And that was what I was doing. And I, lo I love origami. So I have tons of books and, and tons of magazines about origami because when I embrace something, I do it wholeheartedly. And I love photography and I love old, old school um, photography, like old techniques. And that was what I was doing before. And after taking those classes, when did it start to become a bit more of a, oh, this isn't just a hobby, this could be a business or a career? Okay, that's this is the moment where I disappoint everyone because I do not have a business. <laughs> and as such, I don't have a millinery career. So for many years, I kept my day job, uh, which was a boring um, inside sales in an American company, 
here in Barcelona and I stuck with that. And then at some particular points in time, I've tried to give it a go. Um, not very successfully, I might add, but that, that, you know, your mileage may vary. And the fact that I didn't make it doesn't mean you cannot make it. Just you have to have, I don't know, to perhaps I lack some ambition. I don't know. I, it's a difficult subject, and it's one that was broached recently in the Spanish Millinery Association. Who is a professional? Uh, am I a professional? So some people thought, no, you are not a professional milliner because you are not paying. You don't have a business. You are not paying taxes to have a business. I guess it's semantics and it depends on how you look at it. Uh, do you make professional level hats? Then aren't you a professional? Um, but I do not have, uh, I, I make the hat here and there for a special occasion or for, but I don't have a working business. Sorry. I would love That's to. True. There's no apologies yeah. needed there. You've um, you, know, you make I such think contribution it's... in other ways. Yeah, but I people are disappointed at times when I say this, and it's just that the kind of hat that I like to make does not sell in Barcelona. There is no Melbourne Cup. There is n there is no occasion other the than the Barcelona hat stroll, which I organized with Nina, but that is not a market because those people make their own crazy, insane hats or just wear their baseball caps or something. But it is not surprisingly, I've never sold a hat for the hat stroll and we are going on 20 years, which also might surprise. And some people might think I'm, you know, I'm making a bundle, but I'm not selling hats uh, for the hat stroll. Uh, that that the kind of hats that I make don't uh, don't sell here, and I could make like streetwear, but I could never compete with Zara or Mango or all these uh, street chains, which twenty years ago they were not selling hats. I can tell you that, and now they're selling fascinators and hats, and I think it's wonderful because it's an entry level for people who don't have the dough to pay for something more expensive. Although personally, I would prefer if they went to a hat shop, which there are, like there's a wonderful Sombrereria Mil in Barcelona and they are wonderful and they have also affordable hats. So if you can, you know, if you are not, if, if you're listening, you're probably a millionaire, so it doesn't apply. But if you're just a hat lover, uh, try to go to the specialized shops in your area because they're more fun. They know what they're talking about. They have better quality um, hats and you will have a wonderful time. I have so many questions out of that. And I think, but the first question out of that is what type of hats do you like making? What's your ideal hat? Like everyone else, I started making simple hats. Like how, oh, I can make this hat and I can make that hat. And it's like, whoa. Uh, and 
from then on, it's like, well, I would love to make something uh, more special perhaps or for a special occasion. And actually, I think what took me off in the crazy hat direction, well, it's not crazy, but it's more spectacular uh, kind of hat. It was the hat straw, which we will broach later. But um, yes, I started wearing a very simple hat and then it grew from there and people started getting crazy with what they wore. And you know, you want to keep up. And uh, that's when I started making more the crazy hats. And another thing is um, hat uh, making competitions, which is a field. I guess it's not for everyone, but it's fun because it makes you think outside of the box and uh, it makes you create stuff that you didn't have no you didn't know you had it in you so the kind of hats I like to make are difficult hats not on intention but you have this idea and it's a great idea and you you sketch it or not I tend to sketch I'm very bad at sketching but I think sketching helps as a starting point and then you didn't think how that was going to pan out or how to make it. And um, for example, if you make a hat for a competition, uh, there used to be a hat competition for the hat magazine on the previous incarnation of the hat magazine. And for that, they asked you to sketch your hat and they chose from sketches uh, which were the finalists. So that's what I, I was a finalist a couple of times, never won. And this, and then what I would sketch these wonderful things, never thinking how, if I'm selected, how am I going to make that hat, which was an adventure uh, with a the type. reality was not a Okay. So it was, uh, so I make this, uh, I have these ideas and then it's a matter of getting them to, to paper and to paper now to reality making them happen and also because of the hat stroll every year I have to I feel the need that I have to create something like awesome this year it wasn't so much that I recycle a hat that I that I already had because I was overwhelmed by many things uh, but still it worked great and uh, that's my my I'm looking at my hats here and yeah they're kind of over the top they are beautiful and you take sometimes this as you mentioned to the extreme and that you make the block as well don't you oh yes I love that part yeah there is not how do you make the block for those who haven't seen this magic it's I, I would say it's surprisingly easy but I don't know if it's easy for me you know when you, I don't know, I I make my hat blocks out of cork, which is a material readily available here. And I don't know if it's anywhere else in the world, but I buy this compressed cork and I learned from Nina Pawlowski. She actually met a cork hat block maker before he retired. 
the guy retired and refused to give any of his secrets because we live in this gatekeeping world insane in which people want to take their secrets to the grave which is ridiculous and fortunately we're, we're stepping out of that but it is very much in the in the heart of the millinery trade and so she she decided to learn to work it out by herself so she bought cork she she uses like four or five centimeter uh, sheets of cork and she um, cuts it and makes and so I learned from her and at some point I had an idea to make something more curvy I draw I make this drawing or something super complicated I you the material talks to you and I had the cork a very thin one to make curves but that super extra curvy thing didn't really work but I made a really nice cork block and that was three-dimensional but on a plane like uh, it made like an s like a squiggle and uh, from then on i've moved moved to make uh, cork blocks that are very three-dimensional that uh, twist in different directions and it's so awesome because you know it's you it's your block nobody has the same hat um exactly it's impossible so i it's and then it's a lot of sanding and a, a lot of filing and that comes natural to me and i would say it's relatively easy and very satisfying because it's you, you just just pam 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 there uh, sanding away and feels good and but i don't know if it's just me or if i think if you are a millionaire you have this feel for three dimensions and i think anyone can actually do it that's my my take on it. So if you have cork on your neighborhood, you can give it a shot. You also mentioned in that about hat competitions. And congratulations is in order because this year you won the Dutch Hat Association competition. For those who hadn't seen the theme, what was the theme for this competition? Foldable follies. So you had to make a hat that fit in a box that was 40 by 40 by 10 which it was surprisingly big I mean a lot of things can not not foldable can fit into that box yeah well uh, height is a problem but 40 by 40 is a huge hat so that was the theme and I loved the theme I immediately thought yeah I'm signing up for that one because I love foldable hats through history there are some awesome ones by Sally Victor, made one inspired by, by Japanese armor, and Claude Sensier, the Parisian um, millionaire also. There are some photos of amazing foldable hats that I, I wish I could touch and, uh, you know, see exactly how they're made, how they work, because you see them folded, you see them unfolded. So uh, it was a theme that talked to me a lot. Uh, and then I spent like three months like <laughs> thinking, but what am I, you know, I had this idea in my head, like uh, something with something like bellows or like, like a garland that, that unfolds that by the way, is, is some, it's an idea that many people in the competition took, but that was not gelling for me. And the time was running and it 
it's like three weeks from sending the hat and I have nothing. And I totally changed gears and thought something else. Keep it simple, which isn't, it's simple and it's not simple, but I started doing mock-ups and um, I bought um, EVA foam, thin EVA foam. And I thought, yeah, and with scissors and stapler, cutting, trying, and uh, it was fun. It was very panicky time, but it was fun. We'll share a photo when we share, when we publish the podcast. But how did you fold? What was your foldable part of your hat? How did it come together? Yeah, but that is a good question because my hat could have been not foldable. I mean, yes, assemblable, but not foldable. But I thought it has to be foldable. So my hat has three pieces and two of the pieces are in the shape of a Cupid's bow, sort of different, but sort of. And that could have been a whole piece, but then there's no, it was not foldable. <laughs> so I made it that it falls in half. And actually it's a good idea because it keeps small. And so it has these two pieces of the cupid's bow that lock interlock together and they go inside of what is like a sort of a bird's body you can see it on the photo and you probably seen seen the hat somewhere and uh yes that's the foldable it, it it really packs very very flat and i made another version of the of the hat and took it now to the netherlands and it's a joy to travel with and spectacular to wear and people just don't you just love it I love it when people smile at me on the street because they like the hat they just see you and their face lights up you know and I I love it and some people look at you like you're a weirdo that's a given but most people and it's like oh it's awesome I love it and they smile and that makes my day the fabrics that you used in that did you source them for this project or were they ones you had around? Oh, I have like 30 or more rolls of kimono fabric, mostly silk, because I fell down that rabbit hole and it was a good time for that. And I, I started buying these awesome fabrics printed. I love them. And then I don't know what to use them on. I've made some like headbands and that sort of turbans. But this seemed like a good occasion to use them because the main, the shape is attractive, but the fabric is so pretty that it's really amazing. And so I use this silk kimono fabric. In a way, it seems like a crime to use it. It's not like I've killed the kimono to make it because it was not a kimono. It was still on, on the roll. So no kimonos were hurt in the making of this hat. <laughs> You're laughing. Yes, I love it. No kimonos were harmed in the making of this hat. That is beautiful. So... Anyway, I used that and then I used some um, Mokuba ribbon elastic, like binding velvet ribbon that I had. Um, and uh, when I went to buy more, it's so expensive. 
it's like 22 euros a meter. I was like, ouch. yeah, ouch, ouch. But uh, it makes life easy. I started, I, I thought first I will make a binding, uh, you know, I like a bias binding and that was a nightmare. And I thought I will never end this hat. Yeah, it would have worked. But if I had three years to make the hat and this elastic binding, it makes life much, much easier and looks pretty too. And I don't know about other people, but I depend also a lot on the opinion of those around me. So my husband, my brother, like, what do you think? This, that. And I I love it. And sometimes you do the opposite, as one does. You know, they tell you this and you say, no, no, no. I don't think you're right this time. <laughs> but I, it was fun to make this hat. It, I finished it in the 11th hour. Uh, had my brother drove me to the uh, UPS uh, drop-off point. And it was like... <sighs> God, every every time it's the same. I finish it five minutes before uh, they have to be picked up, or every every single time. My husband just knows it's it's the way it is. Yeah, I yeah, it's my inspiration is last minute panic. It helps sometimes. You have to make decisions. There's no time to think. Don't think more about it. You know, but oh, this was so, I, I got it so close that uh, when I had to do the middle part of the hat, it was the day before I it had to be shipped. And then I sat in, I had the pattern, but I had not made the pieces. And I was in bed in my head going through the process of what do I, I need to cut this and I need to glue this, you know, with the bono web and I, and then I, got to a snag where the order of operations was, was not right. And then I would backtrack and do it in my head because I knew the last, the, the second day there was no time, no, no possibility of error. So yeah, well, live and learn. Where is your making space? My making space. I don't have a, an outside workroom. My making space, uh, yeah, my husband would say is the whole house. Uh, there are some limits, uh, some spaces I am not allowed to occupy, but I sort of spread myself over the house, which is, I, it is a disaster at the moment. I have to clean up. When I was recently visiting Mariana Yonkins, and she has such a neat house and because it's also a her workroom is connected to her house but it's she's a neat freak everything is in its place oh I envy her enormously because she she has a lot of stuff but everything is perfectly in order oh I yes it's funny I never thought I was gonna win this one by the way I I was it was clear to me that it was an inferior hat. I don't know why. Yeah. We are so hard on ourselves, but it was like, no, no, this is no. Yep. And I saw uh, my one of my hat was one of the last to come out in on the show because it was done during the hat day of the Dutch Association, which was fun. And there was like a catwalk and and I saw the hats and I thought, 
it is, is they're too good there and I'm not don't have a chance in hell. And then they they named the 10 finalists and I thought, oh, I made it to the 10, but then they gave the third prize and the second prize, and I said, Oh, I'm out. You know? And then and then I won. I it's I have no words. I I'm amazed and uh, grateful. It's a sensation of very clever design. It was fun. It was fun to make and it would not exist it would not be a thing if it were not for the competition so i encourage people to participate i think it's a more common thing in australia like members of the of the millinery association in australia even if they are members who have already they you know they have established business they are the best of the best they still participate in these things and i think it's wonderful it's a great chance to showcase, I think, when you talk about making a, what was the idea, complex, complex hat. That is the chance to explore something that you wouldn't otherwise get a chance to have a deeper play with and spend a bit more time figuring out all the tricks so you can apply it in different ways to maybe not on the same scale, but iterations of. Totally. You think of this idea and from here, other things will develop. So it's good. Can I ask you about Barcelona Hat Stroll now? Yes, you can ask me. Uh, as you might remember, because you were there, uh, we did the Barcelona Hat Days this year in April. And, you know, mistakes were made mostly by me in that I overestimated the interest in workshops and, but all in all, and, and I totally swore I would never do something like that again. The Barcelona Hat Days were officially organized by the Spanish Millennium Association. And then it led to the hat stroll because it always seemed to me, and I, let me stop here and explain what the hat stroll is. So yes. the hat stroll, it's a, a hat walk. I, I've always liked to call it a stroll because it's a relaxed thing uh, of coming. It is a going. stroll. It is more of a stroll than a walk. So the hat stroll has been going on for 19 years. And in 2024, we celebrate our 20th birthday. And Congratulations. Thank you. So Nina uh, came up, I think, for with the idea because she had been in New York and uh, saw the um, Easter parade, which is a totally different animal because it's uh, Easter themed and for so many reasons it has nothing to do with us now. But it was the seed for the Barcelona Hustle. And it started with a small group of friends, mostly theater, because Nina works uh, for theater, among other things. And uh, it slowly grew into what it is today, which is a 2000 plus event. Uh, and really in a way, because there is no script it's just that we get together and we spend like 45 minutes ooing and eyeing. oh you had these photos 
put on the spot that, that, that where we start is in the conjunction of uh, Rambla de Catalunya, which is the most beautiful um, promenade in, in Barcelona, and in the conjunction with Diagonal. And we, and there's a sculpture of a flirty giraffe there, which is really fun, and we put a hat on her. And then it starts from there, which is walk. Initially, there was no finish, and now we sort of finish in Plaza de Catalunya, which is in the center where then the Ramblas start, because where we stroll is not the Ramblas. The Ramblas is like a continuation after Plaza de Catalunya. Um, we end in Plaza de Catalunya, and we do a little speech. Hopefully, this year there will be something more special because it's the 20th anniversary and we are hoping for the city to, you know, help doing something special, but we shall see because it was never the point. The point is to get together. The point is to have fun. And we do even if there's a lot of stress before, once you're there, what a joy, man, what a joy to see all that people, the smiles, the joy, when life is so shit in many other ways, to be there in that bubble of happiness, I recommend it to everyone, at least once in your life. If you can come every year, also good. So that's what we do. And I, we, always, we always felt that it was just like a pinpoint in time that passed so quickly. I Wouldn't it be nice if there was something around it and so what we did uh, conceive was the Barcelona Hat Days, which um, ran, I think, from Tuesday to Saturday or something, or Wednesday to Saturday before the hat stroll. But I thought there would be an overlap between the hat stroll people and the hat days. There was no overlap. Those people those 2,000 people have no interest whatsoever in learning how to make hats, in, uh, you know, in buying millinery materials or anything. So it became clear, and it's clear to me now, that the hat days are a milliner-oriented thing and had have to be that way. There were also problems with taxes. We... We are not uh, a teaching institution, the association. So it, we had to charge like a 21% on top of, I don't know. It was a bit of a nightmare. The prices ended up for the workshops ended up being too high. That also deterred people. There were too many workshops. I went overboard, you know, go big or go home. It was go home. Um, so, you, you know, but, and I said, never. Again, probably you heard me say never again. I did hear those words come out, but I get the feeling there's a there's a but to this. There is a but. However, however, I thought well, uh, Dennis Ploy of uh, Ploy Hats and Materials said, if you make it again, I will come. And I thought, you know, what I enjoyed most of the hat days was the market. Because we were all there, it was like a like a community a hubbub. We were there chatting, and it was so good. You know, it was the feeling of the hat stroll, but a little bit longer. And uh, I love that. And I thought, well, yeah, wouldn't it be nice? But we don't have where to make it. Where 
because the place where it took place was closing down. So I thought, nah. And then I saw a market taking place in Barcelona in a space that looked pretty much like the one where we did before, but it's in uptown Barcelona, you know, in the posh part of town. And uh, I liked it. And I thought, let's do that. Something small. Let's just make it Friday and Saturday. Something small, concentrated in one spot, in that one spot. So I proposed that to the Spanish Millennium Association, and uh, it was it was a lukewarm, um, you know, uh, reception. And uh, they said, "Yeah, they said, yeah, we're gonna skip this." They said, "We're gonna skip this. We want other things to happen in other parts of Spain." which is absolutely, you know, I love it. Let's do that. I said, it's okay. I mean, and they thought there was little time. There was little time, but it was already running in my head. So in the end, it was rejected as a association project, but I thought I would make it myself since it was my brainchild from the beginning and it was my work that did it, you know, I didn't feel bad about taking an event that had been association and making it my own. And that's what I've done. I am paying for the rental and I'm just jumping in the pool. But what I want to tell people is that... Yes, what, what do they need to know? They need to know that this is not a business venture for me. Of course, I will. I will um, do all the legal stuff to to be a business, so I can do this. But for me, this is like giving back to the community. So I want you to be there, but I don't want this to be expensive for anyone. I just, if I can cover expenses, expenses, wonderful. If I cannot cover expenses, then well, other people go on a cruise or something, this will be my thing. It's going to be the Friday, 5th of April, 2024, and the Saturday, 6th of April, 2024. And then on the Sunday is the hat stroll. We have this amazing space called the Talento Studio. And in this space, which was an old carpentry and still has some old machines around, we will have the materials market, but also I thought, and this is totally wacky. I thought, hey, we are uptown. So it's not like when we were in the Ramblas and, you know, we are in a location that uh, has easy access. It's not like this year, which was like a tunnel to get into, you know, and this is, it's a Porsche neighborhood. and. You know, if anyone can buy hats, it's these people. So I thought, let's have a pop-up boutique of hats so people can sell their hats and perhaps, you know, recoup some some money and pay for their stay, which I really, I wouldn't count on it. But the idea is to have like big tables, shared space. You have a little corner. We're all together mashed up and you have to be there to sell your hats. You have to think of your way of cashing in, uh, or, you know, of, of um, getting payment because I'm not taking care of that. 
but you will be there with other millionaires. It will be fun. And that's the idea. So there's the mil the, the millinery materials suppliers, because also the hat magazine will be there and the Dutch Association will be there. And then there's the boutique to sell hats. Let's see how it goes. I have no idea. And then there will be some workshops and I'm working on that because this, this space is smaller, much smaller. So I there is a space where, which could work for workshops, but we're talking two days. And I would like to have like some affordable, I don't know, I don't know. I'm working this out, but stay tuned and go to the website, barcelonahatdays.com, which, uh, and, and then uh, stay in touch and see how it's going to work because there will be learning opportunities. We will have Mariana Yonkin showing again how to use the straw braid sewing machine and that is a thing to behold and we're still uh, in talks with several suppliers but <laughs> ploy dennis ploy will be there and he sells everything and uh, nina paulowski she has some treasures and she will have them again uh, for sale whatever she has left i think she didn't bring ribbons to the last one and there's Araceli Sancho. She works a lot for theater and movies. And she rescued a huge stash of materials from a company called Peris, who did have been doing for decades and decades theater stuff. But they had to um, move to a smaller space. Yes. And she rescued these materials that probably were going to the skip and they're amazing. And she's going to be there too uh, with her staff. So, I mean, uh, I know you were this year there. You bought some cool stuff, some of which you've used already on hats, like the uh, you were a finalist on the, yeah, on the Australian. One of my finalist pieces, actually, the... um. The Dutch one and the Millinery Australia one were both materials that I found from Nina. So the thing is, um, just it's like a long weekend. If you can make it, you will love it because it's about creating community. It's about getting together. It's about uh, lighthearted fun. It's if you can make a buck on it, good. But it's not about that. I think it is a holiday. And uh, it's going to be fun. And then, ah, oh, I forgot. There's going to be a millionaire's dinner like we had this year. And that was also so much fun. The idea is that everyone can join in. So everyone needs to book a long weekend in Barcelona. Yes, be there. Yeah, be, yes. It's like be there probably the night before, like the 4th of April, or be there early in the 5th of April, which is a Friday. And, you know, just come to the dinner, come to the space we will have. Everything will be concentrated there. You know, it will be like a little ant's nest of millionaires and hopefully people from the streets, which will join in and, uh, you know, be unable to resist uh, the hats on offer and buy something nice. And then you have to join you and Nina 
at the cheeky flirty giraffe on Sunday morning and stroll through the center of Barcelona. Yes. Oh, yes. You have to because it's great. And I, what kills me is that some people like don't know that's going on, even in the city. That kills me because it's not like I want this event to grow exponentially because I don't. It's already too many people. But I want everyone who has to be there to be there, you know, like everybody that loves hats to know about it and be there. And not everybody does because we don't have money for publicity. It's a miracle. It is a miracle that we get 2000 people because there is no money. This is a self well, we do have, of course, and I will, I thank uh, from my heart, the Spanish Millionaire Association that will be contributing to pay for the flyers and the posters. And uh, there is the hat magazine who finances the, um, like we make like a batch, a square batch uh, for every stroll and you get that for free. So, but we don't have money for advertisement or anything it's everything from the bottom of the heart of people like uh, Ellie Stemmerding in the hat magazine or hat lines that help us to promote this and then that 2,000 people show up it's like uh, it's a miracle because I don't know how they I mean it's worth of, worth of mouth when, once you've been there you return because you cannot you you know you you that's the feeling you get when you're there you want to have it again it's an absolute credit to you and Nina though we are we are very proud and I think what attracts people is that we're not selling anything it's not for a cause it's not because some people think oh let's do it for a cause and I think no let's keep it what it is it's a simple event because also some people want a competition. We want a competition, but, you know, and we've thought about it, but it's complicating things and we're just there for the fun, you know. Um, that's it. We You don't need someone to tell you your hat is the best or because it's not about that. It's just about enjoying the event and having fun. We're going to share a link to where you can connect with Christina and see more information about the hat stroll. Um, yes, it has its own website, ambarret.com, because the event is uh, basically, it, it has a name in Catalan, which is uh, the language of the, of, of this area of, of Catalonia. And so it's Pasejada Ambarret. Hat stroll, paseo con sombrero, for those Spanish. But I can... I also want to say that, yes, I am in name the organizer of the event, but I will have help. And I am very grateful because there's friends like Nina, Monica, other people around me that will be giving a helping hand. And family always helps. And that's the way it is. And uh, yeah, I really wish you will come. Also, let me say this if you're going to come just drop me a line send an email saying hey i'm from poland i'm from i don't know where italy from australia and i'm going to go for this event because i love to know it 
because I hate it when sometimes I'm at the hat stroll and I meet someone, yes, I'm a millionaire from Ireland. I'm like, what? Why didn't you say something? And then you miss them in the crowd and then you never see them again. And that's dreadful. So don't do that. Just get in touch because I love to know. It is so exciting to hear. And we can't wait to see everyone at the Barcelona Hat Stroll. Make sure you share and you can also tag us. We love to support the Hat Stroll. It's a fantastic event. Congratulations on 20 years to you and Nina. That's a sensational milestone. And we'll all keep posted to find out some more information about the event. It's been fantastic to talk hats with you, Christina. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you very much for inviting me. And thank you for doing this podcast. It just brings happiness to my life. If you're listening to it, it's because you're listening to it. But tell your friends about it because it's really worth it. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Millenator with Christina. I hope you found our conversation inspiring. Please follow along to the Barcelona Hat Stroll and Barcelona Hat Days to find out more about the event and book your tickets. As you heard, Christina would love to hear you for coming along, so please reach out to her so you can connect and she can introduce you to some other amazing learners that will be there. Thank you to our podcast sponsors for their support of this episode. Hat Academy, Millinery Australia, Hatter's Millinery Supplies, House of the Dawn, Judith M. Millinery Supply House, Hats by Lico, Be Unique Millinery, Lifted Millinery, Louise McDonald Milliner, The Hat Magazine, and Hatblocks Australia. You can find a link to each of these businesses through your podcast app that you're listening on or through our website. If you're a business that would like to hear your business name mentioned in that wonderful list, please head over to patreon.com forward slash millinery info where you can sign up to be a podcast sponsor. You'll get a mention in each episode along with a link to your business from our website and in the newsletter. I'm your host, Lauren Ritchie. It's so wonderful to be speaking hats with you and I look forward to our next episode coming soon.